Welcome back to the Connector Study podcast series, where we explore the experiences of doing ethnographic fieldwork with children in three different cities. My name is Dr. Melissa Nolas. I'm a senior lecturer in sociology based at Goldsmiths, University of London, and the principal investigator of the Connector Study. I also carried out the ethnographic fieldwork in London. Today's episode is the second in a series of six podcasts. In this podcast, together with my wonderful colleagues, Dr. Vinara Sanarodos and Dr. Christos Varvantakis, both research fellows on the project who carried out the ethnographic fieldwork in Hyderabad and Athens, respectively, we reflect on what it was like carrying out the research over a three-year period. In particular, we pick up on a familiar debate in ethnographic research, where it is often said that ethnographic research is as much about the communities and the people we work with as it is about us as researchers and people. In this podcast, we engage with the statement to think about what we learned from carrying out an ethnographic study with children over a three-year period and how our involvement in this study has changed us. It's often said that ethnography is as much about the people that we do research with as it is about us. So we want to start to think about this premise. And so I'm going to start by asking Christos and Vinaras and also contributing myself of what interested you in the topic. I was, on one hand, very much interested on the topic itself, thinking about the relationship between childhood and public life. But additionally, I was very much interested in Athens, in the city where the research would take place. I had developed in the last uh, few years a very big interest, of course, like many people, about the social changes, uh, let's say, but generally the socioeconomic situation of Athens of the last decade, more or less, or of the last few years at least. And I was very much interested in understanding the everyday life there and the, the change as it was happening in this city. Uh, this was then for me also a great opportunity to discover, to understand, to learn about via the best possible way, via doing an ethnography. Challenging, though, on the entry point of understanding this city, being the children interlocutors in the research. That was a very challenging thought that I took up with. I mean, I, I thought it's actually, it might be a very novel way of looking at the city and trying to understand the political and social processes of the city through and with children. Great, thank you. And Vinarasan, how yeah, about you? For me, um, the very phrase childhood actually interested me. So I've been working with children for quite some time. As a practitioner, I worked with children for nearly seven, eight years before I started my PhD. So soon after I finished my master's, I've been working with children. So in the sense, I just, I'm quite familiar with the UNCRC and children's rights, everything. But when I went for my PhD, the theoretical aspects of childhood gave me a new perspective to understand childhood. And in this particular topic, the politics or the, the relationship between childhood and public life, that quite interested me because I never worked on that area before. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting for me just to understand the relationship between childhood and public life and how it works to unravel or to explore through the research. And it's rooted in every day. So it's moving away from the bureaucratized or institutionalized way of understanding the relationship. So it's moving away from that. So it's rooted in every day. So that interested me a lot. 
in this particular project and especially the longitudinal aspect as well because it's, it's over the period of time working with the same set of children so that's additionally fascinating. Mm. And for me, I suppose I'd been working in the area of, I'd been interested in participation for a very long time since doing my master's. I did my doctoral research on youth participation in a very different context in in the UK. And my interest in the topic, so in the relationship between childhood and public life, was born out of frustration um, with the existing literature, particularly in, in childhood studies, where a lot of the issues around children and participation are covered in very institutional and sort of clearly defined contexts like visiting the doctor or being in a school context Um, and through I've done a lot of um, reading and I have an interest in participation more kind of generally whether that's activism whether that's social movement social change and I used to teach on a childhood and youth studies module where I'd started introducing the idea of to that module of children as actors within social movements. And of course, we've got a lot of historical examples of that and bringing these kind of two things together and thinking, well, you know, what does that look like today? Can we start to think about children in everyday life and think about their participation in everyday life? Um, Not necessarily as always defined in legal and institutional terms, but also thinking about the everyday and what participation looks like in that and here our parallel interest of mine has always been sort of literatures on everyday life social practice theory thinking about the work of Michelle de Certo, for instance and just trying to bring these things together in a way that might help us rethink what participation in childhood looks like and more broadly and where that's where the kind of public life and, and politics would come into it I suppose the next thing to ask really is why rather what aspects of the study resonated with you both the most? For me, the politics was what I found straight from the beginning and uh, throughout until today. This is what I have been focusing and thinking about the aspect of politics. And that, again, particularly challenging uh, task of radically rethinking politics, basically. Mm -hmm of trying to look at, uh, not trying to look at what politics are or what politics could be mm. in and through childhood. That has been, I have been very much interested from the beginning in this aspect. I was very attracted to it. There were times that uh, like the activism part of politics was surfacing more and other times where the maybe more subtle way, more subtle, mm politics or aspects of uh, political gestures, mm-hmm. often also beyond the verbal and beyond the, the vocal uh, expression, were surfacing in our thinking and in our study. And I have, been, I have found this to be totally fascinating. And yes, I'm really glad that mm-hmm. we have been working with this. A parallel aspect, I was again interested from the beginning very much to understandings of public space mm-hmm. and to you know, lived experiences mm. or also imagined perceptions of public space by children. Mm. Again, this is a thread that connects very well with the political mm. that has interested me a lot. And of course, one of the first papers we co-authored together was about thinking about childhood in relation to prefigurative 
politics mm-hmm. and um, I mean as with the title of the paper sort of impossible conversations with the in brackets mm-hmm. and I think that still for me captures some of the challenges of working of trying to bring childhood into conversation with politics and importantly politics into conversation with childhood to see whether it is at all possible to radically rethink both mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. how about you um, for me actually the aspects of public life man so that's mm. most resonated of course it connects to the idea of politics as well but uh, the notion of public life because when we when we talk about public life generally we have the notion that it's talking about it's public in the sense just away from home mm. but most of the research we did it's in the home actually so that is actually brings me to look at how public life actually works in children's everyday life and that resonated most actually mm. in some of the papers we moved away from the spatial definition of private and public so and how that could traverse within the body mm. within the space at home mm. so that actually most resonated with me so just trying to look at the public lives and how children figure out the notion of public life by themselves or how do they perform so mm. how the performance carry the meaning of private and public mm. so Uh, how children make meaning out of it so that is most resonated part of course i'm, I'm quite familiarized in the sense through the project mm. about the notion of politics as well mm. and how it works this uh, before that I, as when you talk about politics we talk about grand politics mm-hmm. not everyday politics mm-hmm. and through the research i try to and just started learning about politics in a different way as well mm-hmm. so that gave me different perspective of politics everyday politics and through relationships within the spaces and um, what matters to children particularly that is quite interesting for me in the project i think because you mentioned what matters and the other thing that we've sort of done in the project is to take a definition that's sort of bottom up mm. definition of both public life and politics Politics. as being something of issues of care and concern issues that matter to children mm. and that has often made it quite challenging to sort of also present the study where there is an expectation that the political and the public will be defined a priori as having certain parameters and being a particular thing which is not the approach that we chose to take likewise for me as well i think the politics and and public life have been aspects of the study that really resonate i think if i think about politics for instance we and trying to so sort of think back why did that sort of term stick originally it sort of came from thinking around well in what other ways in in the UNCRC you know we often talk about participation from article 12 so children's right to be involved in decisions that affect them but of course there's a whole host of other civil and political rights enshrined in the conventions that got me thinking about politics and of course those aren't the definitions that we often associate with childhood and there's something about bringing childhood into conversation with the political and politics still being if i think back to the ethics form i had to fill out for the project discussion and views about politics are of course considered sensitive in any piece of research but i think that sort of also indicates something about political lives and who's entitled to those and i'm not sure that when we when we're thinking about politics in in ethical terms that you know children are probably not the first group that would come to mind so there's something interesting there about bringing childhood and politics into conversation with each other but i think the thing that probably resonated the most for me from the study and this is something unexpected was really the kind of 
the temporality of the ethnography. Mm. It was over a three-year period. It was incredibly intense, and we'll talk about some of the aspects of doing field work afterwards. And I think the experience of being invited into people's everyday lives, into their homes, their very personal spaces, their personal thoughts and feelings, and not just the children, but also their parents as well. I think that was, yeah, it resonated a lot. It was an incredibly enriching experience and also very humbling. I remember a conversation I've often had with a researcher friend of mine, and we often would just say, you know, would you actually participate in your own research? And that this is a question that has come to me many, many times throughout the time that I was doing field work. Would I actually let somebody into my home in the same way that I was allowed into the family's lives? I think now that I've done it, I probably would. <laughs> but prior to that, I'm not sure that I would. And so I think the thing that resonated for me the most was the gamble and the risk that families took on us to allow us to be part of their lives for a short period of time. Um, so we also wanted to think a little bit about the ways in which our kind of biographies might have shaped the understanding of the fieldwork. Mm -hmm. Yes, for me, I'm coming from a background of uh, many years of ethnographic fieldwork in different settings as well, in, in, in pretty different settings, actually. And I think that this was a very significant aspect of my biography in preparation for the fieldwork with the children in Athens in terms of uh, being prepared to be open as possible, in terms of uh, understanding what patients might need, as well as being prepared, in a sense, for the kind of relationships that we might, we would develop with both the parents and the children of the study beyond the professional, beyond the research context, the kind of relationships that you might end up having when you're doing an ethnography. Of course, all these knowledge or uh, previous experiences were just very, very small uh, aspects of preparing myself for what the actual experience of working for three years in such an intense context and with such a particular set of uh, interlocutors mm -hmm. meant. I mean, yes, it was, it played, definitely played a role, my understanding of ethnography, but then again, it was a completely different thing mm. and a completely way more intense mm. than anything else and way more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, sorry, just bouncing off what you said there, but I think that's an interesting point because that's something I learned of you in terms of thinking about those relationships and how they perhaps become something other than fieldwork relationships because I didn't have a background in such kind of I suppose community ethnography or ethnography in everyday life what I'd done before was much more institutional and of course there the relationships are much more boundaried and so that was interesting and of course that threw up a whole load of dilemmas mm. um yeah the, the relationships in in fieldwork and how those often develop in, in unexpected ways. So, for example, we've written in the, um, the recent photo stories series of being invited to stay for dinner, for instance. Um, and I do remember that it didn't happen very often, but when it did, it was always a dilemma as to, is this allowed? Can I do this? <laughs> how about you, Vinarasan? Well, I do have some sense of understanding of fieldwork in the sense I did fieldwork as a social worker. So there was a different understanding. So uh, I do have experience of doing fieldwork 
in a different context, in different situations mm. as a social worker. So, and then also for my PhD as well, but that was completely different. And that shaped me in a way because I do have some imagination of doing field work, some mm. expectation of doing field work. So I was expecting something, we could expect something in the field. But to be honest, actually, it's totally exceeded my expectation because it's what we experienced in the project. It's completely, no, so a lot of things actually, a lot of contingency, a lot of indeterminacy. So uh, those things actually I didn't expect it when I started the project. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a different learning curve altogether in this. And in terms of the relationship and doing research in the home environment and for a sustained period of time. And as you mentioned, uh, it's a lot of dilemma in between as well. Mm. And I suppose in terms of my experience, as I mentioned before, my experience of having done ethnography, which was in much more bounded context, but sort of taking a step back a bit and thinking about, you know, how biography has shaped my understanding of the fieldwork or the research. I think just thinking back to when I was writing the grant proposal, I mean, one of the things was to look at, you know, in taking children's participation into everyday life. Of course, you then have to look at the kind of historical context as well as the sort of cultural and geographical context. And one of the things that I wanted to do with the study was to locate children within the context of the financial crisis. So all of the children in the study were born more or less in 2008, give or take a year, six months to six to 18 months. And of course, So when we think about financial crisis in Europe, there were sort of a couple of clear choices to locate the study in. So London being one of them and Athens being the other. But that's not an entirely research decision, as it were. It was a a decision located within the kind of historical conjecture of the crisis. But it's also a very big part of my own biography, being half Greek, half English, having been born in London and brought up in Athens. And an interesting thing, perhaps, in terms of the last sort of four or five years and thinking about the crisis in particular, where both aspects of that biography have been kind of affected in, in different ways. So thinking about the fieldwork and sort of biography and how those two things intertwine, that would be my experience. So should we, should we have a think about... In what ways the study has changed us, if it's changed us at all? (laughs) For me, yes, yes, it has changed us in many ways. And also in response to what you were saying before about the financial crisis and about understanding the financial crisis, I think that my understanding of both what the crisis meant in Athens and what the coping uh, strategies and practices of social change have been is way more nuanced. I have an understanding that was not there before and that I couldn't imagine Mm. that was there of how people actually experience, of how people actually cope with it, of what social networks are at play, of what families do with that, of the criticism that might be completely Mm. different from what you will ever get to hear either in cohort studies or in, of course, in journalism and so on. Mm. I think that uh, this then has its reflection in my own political Mm. standpoints and Mm -hmm. uh, beliefs. And this has been a very important thing. I have been changed as a political being Mm -hmm through this experience one way through the understanding of what the crisis Mm -hmm. is and what the social change is and in another way in a much more complex way through the understandings of the political in childhood as Mm -hmm. we said before Mm -hmm. along with our interlocutors and along with these discussions Mm -hmm. i know that this had also its reflection in my own political 
uh, standpoint and therefore in my epistemological mm. and ontological considerations. So yes, it has made a change. How about you? Uh, for me, uh, of course, there's quite a lot of changes through the study. The things we learn from the lives of our interlocutors, you know, yeah. from through children and, and uh, families and the way we do our research as well. So, as I said, actually, so it's, it's field ethnography. This mm. is quite new to me, so I've done research in a different context, but just closely witnessing the lives of children and families. And that actually changed my perspective in many ways, understanding mm. culture, understanding participation, for instance, everyday participation mm. within the family context and mm. within the neighborhood context. Because I do have different perspectives of before I started my research about politics, about public life and everyday life. So that changed me a lot. Um, I started looking at things now actually in a different way from what I did before. For instance, the public-private mm-hmm. or the politics or public life, everything. So everything comes through the frame now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's changed me. So I started looking at things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Of course, it has impact on my personal life as well. So especially the relationship with my kid or with other children in my within my personal mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm that I'm sure we're going to talk later. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, similarly, and I think you put it very eloquently in terms of your own political subjectivity or standpoints, I've certainly also experienced that. But um, I think probably my the biggest change or the biggest learning is um, I'm quite a compulsive planner. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I make a lot of lists. The biggest things that that has changed for me is really just becoming much more open in research practice, in kind of embracing messiness, because it has been an incredibly messy research process. Things have not always gone to plan. And being much more open to experimentation, to sort of not thinking about sort of methods in such a linear way, for example, you know, what happens when you bring different methods together, what stories can you tell from that? And I suppose if there's any kind of testament to actually having changed, I I rarely make lists anymore. (laughs) And um, I quite like mess. (laughs) And in conjunction to that, I mean, the huge contingency of not just the relationship between childhood and public life, but I think the huge contingency of life itself in all its kind of messiness and how I suppose the different decisions people make, the different the way history impacts on people's lives, how that can really change what a life is, that's been huge. I also I would like to add to the messiness part of it mm. because I think this is a very significant thing. I mean the experience from before, like mm. before we all sat together and tried to deal with the fact that it's there. It is indeed that either you try to put it in boxes, and that mm-hmm. was the experience we all had, or you pretend it's not there. And, <laughs> yes, right? and what we did, like what yeah. we managed to do, and I'm, I'm really, really happy mm-hmm. about this, is that we learned how to embrace it, how yes. to say it's there, yeah. to acknowledge it, and mm-hmm. put it up forth and discuss in these terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that has been... One thing I've been reflecting on a lot recently is, I mean, one of the things you get told at the end of a doctoral program is that, and now that this has become a tick box, Mm. is as a doctoral candidate, you learn how to manage uncertainty. And I think about that now, and that's utter bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I I had no idea of how to manage uncertainty. It's hugely anxiety provoking, working, you know, with themes that we're working or just doing field work in, in everyday life. And I think, you know, I've, I've still got a way to go, but I think definitely one of the things 
that has changed is being able to deal with uncertainty and, and the anxiety that that provokes a lot better. And I think possibly the good team relationships that we have had has gone some way to help that be more livable for us at least. Okay, and so finally, in terms of this first podcast, one of the questions that I've been asked a lot when I tell people that I do research on childhood and public life, and I do research with children, I'm always asked, in what ways has my research influenced my own parenting? And so we thought we would put that as a question. <laughs> so Yes, it definitely has influenced in many ways my very understanding of parenting as well as some very practical aspects <laughs> of uh, it. The thing is that doing research with uh, real parents who have been where you are or some of them still are where you are but have been there before too and realizing some of the practicalities and of the realities of it, it made things easier in a mm. sense. Some of the, the information I had as a parent were basically you know, from relatives and so on, maybe from a couple of friends that had children, but we didn't really have friends with children at that time. And uh, textbooks, like, you know, <laughs> doing, working with uh, so many families in Athens and being able to discuss very, very practical things about how some things, for example, doesn't matter as much as you might think they do. Mm -hmm. Or seeing other people being completely exhausted at the end of the day after being with the two siblings, for example, through the whole day and realizing that, you know, this is something that's very, very normal and that's mm. something I, sh I shouldn't feel maybe, you know, guilty or maybe mm. it's something that happens. All right. And on the other hand, yes, I think uh, we have the privilege of, uh, I guess, this goes for all of us to be super up-to-date about films, books, board games, <laughs> stuff like that. I still use this thing. I mean, I say yeah. now that my son is yeah. five years old, I knew exactly what board game would in the rescue, and mm. it did. Mm. Yes, mm. I'm grateful for uh, all this. <laughs> and in, just in terms of contextualizing a bit, I think we should probably also say that for two of us, our children kind of grew up in the context, or growing up in the context of the study, say, similar ages. Yeah, so... When we started our field work, they were 18 months, two years old, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And of course... For, for me, actually, like the kind of exposure and uh, we got through the project, for instance, mm -hmm. we got to know about, got to hear about different styles of parenting as well. Mm -hmm. And the personal experiences they go through sometimes, the dilemmas they carry. So that is quite fascinating to hear different views through the project. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes helped me to as, as Chris has mentioned, which so far actually I heard stories of parenting I never experienced before becoming a parent of it through the project. And often actually even I was teased when I was a practitioner because we, we speak so much about uh, um, children's rights, you know? mm -hmm. so especially don't beat or don't uh, scold your child, all those things actually. So often I've been asked actually when you become a parent, so would you do that without doing this? So that was quite challenging in a way. So, so when I looked at people now, actually, so it's helped me to understand um, the different ways of doing parenting as mm -hmm. well. And that was quite enriching in a way mm -hmm. to learn actually how do people really do parenting in a, in a, in a realistic manner within the possible available resources mm -hmm. and understanding their own cultural understanding as well. Mm -hmm. So that is quite enriching to know, actually. So mm -hmm. that actually enriched my own knowledge of parenting mm -hmm. and to sort of validate my previous assumptions of parenting as mm -hmm. well, or maybe contradicting with that. Yeah. Same. I mean, I think it's a huge privilege to be able to work so closely with 14 
other families in London and often I think identities what well, my identity in the field would get I mean the fact that I was also a mother was a huge talking point between other mothers but also with the children as well who would always want to see photographs of my son hear about my son when was I going to bring my son to meet them which I did on a couple of occasions uh, with some of the families and it's the privilege of knowing that actually there's so many different ways to bring up children and so many different ways in which children grow and, you know, likewise, I think there's a few board games and other games at home that are a direct result of, of having experienced yeah, <laughs> toys yeah. in other people's homes that were, you know, highly rated by the children I was working with. And I thought, oh, that, I think Elias will quite like those as well. <laughs> and then also very practically and sort of picking up on some of the themes of the research. And we've written recently about you know, listening and idioms of, of childhood and actually what does it actually mean to listen to a child? And that's one of the questions we also asked parents in the interview. What do you learn in conjunction to listening? You know, what do you learn from your children? And that's not often the direction of the question. It's often what do children learn from parents and from adults? Mm. And I suppose very, very practically and very pragmatically you two know this, that when I get very hungry, <laughs> I stop working. I just can't function. And I saw that happening to my own son and realized that it's because I, I become so absorbed in what it is I'm doing that I completely forget any sensation of, of hunger. And, and I saw that happening to him and I just thought, oh my God, that's what I do. Um, and I've stopped. I've stopped doing it because I've, <laughs> I've seen what it's like um, from another perspective. And so that was just really interesting in terms of thinking, well, what do you learn from your own kids? And I don't think I would have been open or as aware of that had it not been particularly for the, the context of the study and really thinking quite a bit about what does it mean to listen? What does it mean to learn from somebody who's got far less experience than you? And considering that learning has been quite valuable. You have been listening to the second of six podcasts produced by the Connector Study team, where team members Vinarasan Arundos, Christos Varvantakis and me, Melissa Nolas, discuss our experiences of carrying out ethnographic research with children in three different cities over a three-year period. You can find the rest of our podcast series on our website at childhoodpublics.org.